Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where you will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's dive into today's episode. First of all, let me introduce myself. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are going to discuss a topic that is very relevant to a lot of business creators that some, when they hear topics like this, they think, oh, is it that woo-woo stuff again? Are we going to be taking the lotus position and stretching out our arms and inviting abundance to come to us? Well, I'll let you be the judge of that. But what I will tell you is that we have an outer game of business. We have an inner game of business. And it's the inner game that often calls the shots. It's the one that makes the plays, gets the touchdowns, scores the goals. And what we're going to discover today is how you can find your hidden money. We're going to have fun with this. And to guide us through this journey, I have with us Cindy Hendricks of cindyhendricks.com, findhiddenmoney.com, and some other great websites. So let me tell you a little bit about Cindy first off. Cindy Hendricks is an award-winning certified business consultant, international best-selling author, corporate and online trainer. She provides invaluable insight, inspiration, and action plans that catapult her clients from struggling to thriving in her international coaching and consulting practice. She led multi-million dollar divisions of the United States nation's top retailers to record-breaking performance and revenues, winning awards year after year. She was selected as a premier success coach for eWomen Network in January 2015 to December 2018. As CEO of Imagine More Success LLC, Cindy Hendricks is co-hosting her syndicated international weekly radio show at imaginemoresuccess.net which is broadcast by Romar Media Group on XZBN, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Spreaker, and lots of other places. You can also find the Business Creators Radio Show, and I subscribe to all of them. So, Cindy Hendricks, come on in. The weather's fine. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Adam, for having me as a guest on your show. I love to share information about having a better life, making more money, and just loving what you do. Well, I got to tell you, we have to end this interview. The problem is, is I don't feel I'm qualified to be in the room with somebody of your extensive credentials and all your accomplishments. I mean, it's my show and I'm not even sure I raised to your level. So sorry, it's been fun. No, I'm kidding. Um, here's what we do have going on. I imagine right now that we have some of our listeners who are leaning in. They've opened a separate browser tab and they're binging the Yahoo out of the Googles about this Cindy Hendricks spelled S-Y-N-D-E-E-H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S. You're welcome. And what we like to do before we dive into uh, going on this little treasure hunt and finding our hidden money, because yeah, I'm, I'm looking for hidden money. I, I could use some hidden money, is Cindy, if you could tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yes, I have your bio and your credentials, but tell us a little bit about your personal journey and what's brought you to this point. 
I'd love to. I started out in a very challenging family and was on my own at age 16. Oh. And I didn't have a net, so I knew at an early age that I had to be responsible for everything in my life. And I have, you know, dealt with the demons and moved mm-hmm. past the, the uh, barriers and came out the other side with 12 books and online courses and a consulting and coaching business and a radio show. So yes, I'm living proof that you don't have to start with anything to get to where you want to be. You know what? I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And um, what I like about your story is that you had the opportunity to, and I call it an opportunity because things are what you tend to look at them at, is to basically walk into it with a blank slate. You said you're on your own at 16. And I think that folks who have support until later in life, you know, have the benefits of the support in life. But I think that those that have to start early and do their own thing also have an advantage. It's in a different type of advantage because they had to start to strike out so early on their own. They weren't necessarily held back by the same constraints, some of the same beliefs have been promulgated into them so they were able to do it with more of a sense of freedom and more of a sense of a blank slate did that feel like any way like your experience or at least something that sounds familiar or not completely outside your worldview i think that really is an excellent statement not only for myself but for many other people but i can tell you you know what even though my folks had their own challenges and demons they were kind and loving people by their own right. Yes. And I think for me, it was the perfect upbringing because I was so independent and so strong-minded that if I'd had those controlling parents that tried to mold you into something they wanted you to be, uh-huh. I would have had a very different life because I would have revolted. No question about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, again, I don't want to cast aspersions, but I grew up in a situation where others felt they had charted my course for me, uh, down to even some of the smallest details. And it it seemed like no matter what I wanted to do or what I proposed to move forward with, I was somehow running into some plan that had been made for me that uh, I was not aware of. And I'm not necessarily even referring to my parents. I mean, some of this came from teachers. Some of this came from alleged authority figures. And, you know, if we had two hours, I could go on a rant about the difference between authority and power and how I laugh at the former. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you, you think you kind of get the general idea. Yes, I think we're very similar people in that arena because I don't know where my independence and strength came from, but it's been with me since a very young age. But uh, I was in management in my teenage years, and one of my biggest lessons that has guided me through my entire life and career is meeting Earl Nightingale uh, in, in book form, and he's my favorite author, and, you know, he was a radio show host, too, in the early days. Yes. And my big takeaway from him is a quote that he created from his own upbringing, not too different from mine, where he tried to figure out how people were so successful because he wasn't as a kid and wanted to be successful. So after he read through many books and discovered many ideas, what he walked away with was, we become what we think about. Yes. 
And then in my older years and along the way, I discovered that many other people said the very same thing from centuries ago. Yeah. Different words, of course, but same concept. And so that's how powerful those words are. So if you take nothing else away today, take away the idea that we are all what we think about. Yeah. And I think that is kind of important. And what I've discovered over time is I need to be careful what I get sucked into. And I also come to a point where I need to have empathy for those who are currently making that journey. I'm thinking of a story. This happened to me about a year or so ago. I was hanging out at a place where I like to hang out. And somebody came in and was sitting in the lounge and was, uh, you know, starting conversation. And uh, let's uh, just, they're, they're trying to get everybody involved in this conversation without getting into any details. Let's just say that they have some dislikes about certain things in our country today. And it was clear that most, if not all the people in there just wanted to sit back and watch the basketball game. And this person was going off on these rants and everything else. And they said, how can you possibly just sit here and watch basketball when we have all this stuff going on? And I had to turn to the guy and say, well, the same way that I could sit here and watch basketball when there's things going on that I don't like. You can't fight this battle 24-7. And if this means so much to you, it's Saturday. Why don't you go make some phone calls or go door to door or work on a petition or something? So take that brilliance and your passion, his brilliance and his passion, and apply it to a place where it belongs. Uh, Being in a room with a bunch of guys that just want to chill out and watch basketball is probably not going to have much of an impact, but going to... Uh, you know, going to an action committee, uh, standing on the corner with a clipboard, making some phone calls based on a donor list. Those are things that could move the needle. And I really felt bad for him. Instead of criticizing others. Yeah. And I really felt bad for him because of where his energy was in that moment and how badly it was being misdirected. Yes. Well, and what was he doing in there anyway, if he was on a passionate journey to correct some of the wrongs he'd seen? Yeah, I, hey, when I hey when I want to when I want to correct a wrong, I want to correct a wrong, mm-hmm. um, and otherwise I'll get to it later. I mean, it's, candidly. Yes. So now we're getting a little bit into um, how we manage our life, how we manage our time, and you know, I looked back at you, Cindy, and I've seen some of the things you've done in such a short amount of time. And I just got to ask how you did it. I mean, you've written 12 books in four years. You've created three courses and nine modules for uh, the Goal For It series uh, just this year. Uh, You have done all these different things. And how did you manage to pull that off? Because I know people that are struggling to get one webinar hosted. (laughs) Well, two things I want to share. The first thing is, I have spent a lifetime learning everything I've put into those books. And so all the information that I've written and done in the last, actually it's five years from 15 to 19. And it's all in my head. So I just had to get it out there. And I had to have really talented publishers to be able to, you know, package it right for me. Right. And the second thing is I type it over 200 words a minute. Wow. Yeah, so that really helps when you can, you know, type what's in your head and type almost as fast as you think, it goes pretty quick. In fact, truth be told, my first book I wrote, 
Well, the first three chapters took a year and I was busy working on other things. And then I went on vacation and I was really motivated to get it finished because I was doing workshops for homeless women and I could have just handed them the book to help them get their lives on track, you know, as a volunteer. Right. I was working for eight years, once a month doing workshops for them. So I decided, you know, I've just got to get this book done to help these poor women that are trying to get their lives together. So when I went on vacation, I got up at four and five in the morning and I knocked out that book in a week. And I worked from maybe four or five to about nine. And then when everybody else was getting up, you know, we were on a, a timeshare vacation with friends, getting coffee, then I was getting dressed and ready for the day. And at the end of the week, my book was done. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, that four o'clock in the morning stuff doesn't work for me. Uh, if I'm ever awake at four o'clock in the morning, it's like I'm still awake, not because I <laughs> just woke up. I've, well, that's I've, not my I've, time I've, either. Yeah, I've, I've, create, I've created books as well. I have a different way about it is uh, when I get focused on something, like whether it's, a, you know, as we said earlier, a right I want to wrong or a problem I want to solve or a goal I want to hit. And I am really passionate about it. And I am driven to make it happen. I will bang on that to the exclusion of all other things. Exactly. That's so exactly I got, how you yeah. do it. So I, got, so I got my book done probably in about the same amount of time you did. But mm -hmm. what it basically involved is I identified four or five days on my calendar that were more or less contiguous, and I didn't seem to have too much going on that couldn't be rescheduled, had them cleared out, and went and disappeared for five days. So we have the same concept with different time frames, but yeah. the, I couldn't take away from vacation time, and I have a fantastic husband that doesn't limit me at anything or, yeah. or try to control me. And so uh, he was really, really sweet about my working in our room in the dark practically so I could let him sleep a bit with my computer and just knock it out. So I don't yeah. like 4 a.m. either, but it was my goal to get that book finished after two years. My publisher yeah. was like, Cindy, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, my, yeah, mine was a little bit different. Um, we had decided uh, between me and my coach and in the year 2017, somewhere in the summer of 2017. I already had the outline and most of the uh, content was actually already created in the form of various blog posts, uh, things I had written to people and stuff I'd never published. Uh, and the outline existed for about six months before that. And I made an offhand comment during a coaching session with him where I said, you know, one of the biggest issues for these entrepreneurs and business creators that I want to re have read this book is I hear the stories about how they're dealing with the same stuff over and over. And it feels like they're stuck in that movie Groundhog Day. <laughs> and voila, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. Fast forward to uh, like maybe about the first Friday of January 2018. I think that might have been like the 8th or the 9th or something. I can't remember exactly. And I had actually booked a speaking engagement because there was a last minute opening at a major conference. I uh, think there were four or 500 people in the room and I worked my magic and I got myself on that stage and I needed a topic like right now. I mean, I have signature talks and stuff that I made in that moment. I decided it's like I booked this last minute plum speaking engagement. I mean, this was a major speaking engagement. If you knew who I was sharing the stage with you, wow. But anyway, um, that was a Tuesday. I was, I was saying, wow, with 500 people, okay? Yeah, <laughs> That's, that speech was a Friday. 
And I thought, what am I going to do here? What am I going to, I have this opportunity to land on my lap. And I thought to Sir Richard Branson and that phrase his, which we'll come back to in a second. Because I was thinking to myself, you know, I have this book I want to do. And I want to call it Groundhog Days and Event Not a Business Strategy. Here it is, January 4th or 5th or whatever it is. And I haven't uh, done more than tweak the outline a little. I have basically two choices. One of which is, is I can wait another year so I can catch Groundhog Day 2019. Because obviously that would be the day you'd want to launch a book called Ground Day, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, February 2nd. Or I could do it later in the year and rename the project. Uh, I might not like the title as much, but okay. Then I thought back, bringing Sir Richard Branson back in the loop, and that phrase of his, I went with option number three, screw it, let's do it. <laughs> Broke all the rules. I made the uh, decision that uh, on that Tuesday, as I was tweaking my signature talk for this presentation I was given on Friday, that that was when I was going to be an announcing that Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, would be hitting virtual bookshelves near you on Friday, February 2nd, 2018. And doggone it, it happened. That's what you call manifesting. And you know, that's a little woo-woo. I, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get, I get it. I get it. But from that moment, because I knew that that was an obstacle to overcome that I wanted to overcome, that was a problem to solve that I wanted to solve. There was nothing that was going to stop me. Yes. Well, I've been called a schnauzer with a bone and that would probably be fitting for you too with that story. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are a lot of things in life I'm pretty laid back on. I'm very selective about, selective about what I even care about or what I think is worth debating over or what have you. But when it comes to things like this, uh, as I saw it, there was money waiting for me. I think it was hidden and I went and I found it. So I love that. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get into, um, as we go, we still have plenty of time here. We're going to get into this hidden money, but I want to ask you a little bit about the work that you're doing. You have the as I mentioned earlier, the goal for it series, you know, like go yes. for it, but go for it. Yes. And what motivated you to do those? And you said, and, and you told me that you've done series one and we have series two, three, and four coming up. Yes, we do. One of the things people have asked me my entire life is how do you get so much done? And I'm sure the reason they ask me is because I don't necessarily talk very fast. I don't necessarily move very fast and I'm not a skinny gal. And so they're, they're probably thinking, you know, how come I can't do that? Well, number one, it's a mindset. You got it. Like we were just talking, you have to focus and make a decision. I am going to get this done and be determined and persistent and just do it. And the other thing that you have to do is, you know, you have to set goals for yourself and you have to create action plans. How am I going to get this goal done? But I didn't have time to tell everybody how I accomplished so much. So I wrote my book and inside my book is a formula and inside the courses that were just created breaks down the formula and explains it in detail, how you too can achieve all that and more, but you have to be, you know, the secret big secret is focus and determination. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to find this hidden money. I know it's around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, there's hidden money. It's around. Um, so where let's look inside. Cause I mentioned in our game earlier, one of the things we want to discover here during our time together is where to look for the hidden money within yourself. So can you define what that means and 
where within me we're looking for this hidden money? Well, with all four series, we will go over every detail of finding hidden money. But in the very first series, it really focuses on the focus and determination, and that is the individual. So you can't really accomplish a lot if you are not focused in your mindset. And there are several things in there. Uh, in fact, I wrote a quiz for people to figure out exactly where some of their issues are so they can focus and key into what they need to work on to, to get over that hurdle. And the, the first one is on goals, the first course within the series. The second one is mastering your mindset, which is what we just talked about. And the third one is self-esteem and self-confidence. And, you know, I've been coaching people for decades, and I can tell you the one thing almost every human being has in common is that their self-esteem and or their self-confidence is not where it needs to be. And if you want to achieve goals in a high way, in a, in a, at the top of your game, your self-esteem and your self-confidence has to be flying. It's got to be up there. And I've worked with people my whole career on how to do exactly that. And I've put it in this first series of courses. Wow. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, so the next thing, and this is something where we may have the opportunity to expand for a while because this is actually some of the work that I do. So we may end up sharing some, some uh, case studies, some success stories here is uh, what about finding the hidden money in your business? That is we also- We could probably go on. Mm -hmm, that is also what, uh, one of my specialties because I was used in business management as a troubleshooter or as a triage specialist to be sent in when others weren't able to achieve the bottom line for every business, which is profit. In fact, one position I held, I was working in Georgia and had uh, businesses that I covered in two states. And I was um, interviewing for a position in uh, San Francisco. And, I, and there were like 40 people in my position that could have been chosen. And I said, you know, why should I bother to interview? Because I'm sure they could find people closer to San Francisco. Because I mean, I had two cars, I had a house full of furniture. And so my boss said to me, Cindy, you have to interview because you're the only one qualified. <laughs> and I started laughing and I said, well, what's going on in this company that there's only one person out of 40 that can handle this job? Well, I found out when I was promoted that I was the fourth person in four years to go in and try to make these businesses profitable. And I yeah. did it. I did it in a year. I took that group of businesses from the worst out of 2000 in the company to the best in one year. But I mean, that's the work I did for decades. I, I love it. I love to walk into a business, figure out what's going on, create action plans, goals, get the right teams and get them moving like they should have been in the beginning and creating lots of profit. Why weren't they doing it from the beginning? Um, Why do they well, need you? It starts at the top. You know, if the leader isn't managing the people, training them, bringing in the right people and putting in, uh, you know, the time with the staffs to make sure the goals are in place, make sure everybody's doing their job, they're not going to be profitable. Yeah. Um, not going to happen. 
Right. And I'm that person that's determined. The others were not as determined as I was and probably didn't have the skills to do the job. Otherwise, they would have, right? I agree with you. So, and I love what I do. It's easy work for me. Yeah. Easy work uh, for me. Yeah, you know, uh, I think we have a lot of this misalignment. I worked for corporations for a few years before I made the jump, and I'm familiar with some of the same phenomenon. And uh, and I think that there are a lot of communications issues, and I think that's where a lot, why a lot of the money stays hidden. Uh, one of the things we recommend inside my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, is when you uh, have a meeting, like a business meeting or something along those lines, and especially if it's a status update type meeting or a committee type meeting, what you do is within 48 hours before the meeting begins is everybody who has a speaking role at the meeting is to submit and it can be an email with bullet points. It doesn't have to be a dissertation. You don't have to spend nights tweaking it or whatever. Just answer three questions and post them in a place where everybody can read them, which in most cases is like the, the bulletin board in a project management software. And you're answering three questions. What am I working on? What do I need support on? What ideas do I have to move this forward? So when you have those situations where they weren't doing it from the very beginning all along in an organization, and you're looking to start digging into this, there are way more sophisticated ways to analyze a business organization. You can take that same model and immediately just have all of your employees answer the question anonymously uh, so that the management can see it and answer those questions. What am I working on? Where do I need support? And what ideas do I have for moving the organization forward? And if there's hidden money lurking around, management's going to see those responses and they're going to ask questions like, whoever said we needed to work on that? And since when don't we provide that support? And who do they think they are making these ideas, uh, suggesting that we should do this for the company? And that's where you begin to surface some of the big problems. And maybe some of that money emerges. And if so, give it to me. <laughs> well, I found the biggest issue in every position, every position I had was, number one is the people. If you don't have the right people in the right positions, then things are not going to happen the way they need to. And you've got to right. get, get the right person doing the right job and make sure they know the job they're supposed to be doing or guess what? That job isn't going to be happening. It's not going to get done. And certainly not at the level for optimum profit. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly. Um, so in, in fact, I have a great story for you. Please, please. I was uh, my first management, middle management position. I was working for Casual Corner. And my boss had given me five businesses to manage across two states. And I moved from a different state to take the promotion. And he was in love with this one manager of one of the businesses. She looked the part, she talked the part, and he loved her. And when I got in there and started looking around and checking things out, uh, I think I was there about a month. And I called him and said, you know, and he expected me to double the business in a year. Uh-huh. And I said, there is no possible way on God's green earth that woman is going to even meet last year figures, much less double anything. And I said, I can't meet your goal with her. Oh, oh, you have to do this. I said, I've done all that. 
I've sent you the documentation. I want to replace her. Oh, no, no, no. I said, okay, I tell you what then, if you want to keep her, then you take that business and you manage it because I cannot achieve what you expect of me with her. <laughs> and so finally he let me let her go. So then when I told him who I wanted, who was a 19 year old gal, who reminded me a lot of me, only Southern gal, he didn't want her. Well, she's not experienced enough. I said, I can teach her what she doesn't know. But what I can't teach her is to want to double the business in that store. And she's already got that. <laughs> I said, yeah. I need someone who's in there and can have that as their goal. And I can teach her everything else she needs to know. So he finally let me do it because I was, I was ready to quit. I mean, yeah. if you can't achieve a goal you've been given with the staff you're forced to take, you might as well quit because you're going to fail anyway. So sure. I brought her in and she had a very strong operationally talented assistant. And then I worked with them to teach them what she didn't know. And guess what? One year later, we doubled the business. So okay. The, so the hidden money in that business was the leader not doing her job. Uh-huh. There was a half a million dollars hidden because she wasn't doing her job. And here, a 29-year-old walked in and told a guy with a master's degree what was missing to find the hidden money. Yeah. What is so sad is, and I think we made a lot of, I think we made in some industries and in some companies anyway, a lot of strides from how this was 20 years ago. But I recall once um, when I worked for a company that uh, I can't remember exactly what the, you know, what allegedly I had done or hadn't done or said or hadn't said. But I know that uh, my supervisor uh, told me that he had received complaints about me. Uh, I, I can't remember what it was, but, he, and he said that he hadn't been instructed by somebody who has more power than him to remind me of my place in the organizational charts compared to this other person's. And he had been ordered to say the phrase to me, if you say the world is round and they say it's flat, not only are you wrong, but you owe them an apology for arguing with them. You know what? You were working for the wrong company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great, need, yeah, great, yeah, great, yeah, great supervisors <laughs> that I worked with directly. I had a lot of an opportunity to work with a lot of the right people, but they allowed a little bit of that pestilence to rise to high positions and did nothing about it. So there is an epilogue to it. Um, I knew who the person was who um, used their juice to have me told that stuff. And a couple of years after I left that job, I was in a bagel shop somewhere, and this person comes up to me, and they try and act like they try and act like they're friends of mine. They're they're a friend of mine. So what I did is I actually stood up uh, and faced them, cut them off, and said, "Excuse me, you don't call me Adam. You call me Mr. Homie or Sir. I am a president. I am a CEO. There is only one person in your company who calls me by my first name, and that's your CEO." Well, you, you had a Stepford manager there in your business. Yeah. But the, but the funny thing is they thought I wouldn't remember. They thought I wouldn't find out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I want to be clear that overall that company wasn't bad. And it was led by a lot of very well-intentioned people. But a recurring theme was allowing some of that stuff to go on. And uh, that could be combined. Uh, there were elements of nepotism. Uh, there were elements of 
favorites. Uh, there were elements where five different people were given the exact same job without, uh, without knowing it and then finding out on their own devices they were all competing against each other. There were all kinds of things happening. Uh, well, just and think of all the have, experience that we got as, yeah. as business consultants to uh -huh. be able to help companies overcome yeah. that nonsense. Yeah, and see, again, this is where brilliance and passion come in, and this is where the hidden money comes in, yeah. because you and I have both been there. We both know how this stuff works and what doesn't work, and we know what doesn't work and the reason it doesn't work, and we can't change the past. We can't change what other people are and what they do. We can't, imp we can't do that. You can only change and influence, for the most part, how they impact you and decide whether they do at all. Uh, but what you can do is you can change the cycle. Some people call it break the cycle. I call it change the cycle to create better results for others moving forward. And that's why in my consulting work, I specialize in companies uh, uh, two to 10 with uh, at least 250 in revenues because they're at that point right now where these things could become issues if they don't nip it in the bud. Or if it already hasn't become issues yeah. that they're not even aware of, which is probably the case. Yeah, yeah, that you're 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 very you're very you're very right about that. So the next thing I wanted to next thing I wanted to cover here is uh, you um, have noted that that hidden money can be elusive, and you've told a story about where you found it by looking at the human resources, and where else can we find that money? Well, one of the things I do with clients is to analyze what they're currently doing and help them discover what they could be doing for additional streams of income in their own businesses or in a brick and mortar. Because there are so many possibilities that people, you know, when they're in their own little bubble, they just can't see it. And since I'm highly intuitive, it's so easy for me to see. Right. Not to get too woo-woo on you, but. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to keep bringing that up. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's got its place. I happen to be, you know, part uh, corporate and part woo-woo. And yeah. uh, that's, you know, just how I made. And it's uh, an excellent skill and gift that I have, you know, utilized to help many people in many ways. So yeah, I embrace it. I'll admit it. <laughs> yep. And, and, and to you out there who are listening to this episode of Business Creators Radio Show, you will remember the woo-woo. You will remember the woo-woo. You're going to remember the woo-woo. Well, and you know what? It's really a great part of learning how it is that you can make more money because it's right there sitting in front of you, but sometimes it's hard to see. That's why you need someone else to come in like with you, Adam, and take a look at what you're doing and help people figure out how they can make more money. What's even better is I just uh, revealed a tactic by repeating, you will remember the woo-woo three times. That's going to stick in our listeners' minds. Mm -hmm. And to you, the listener, even though you're consciously aware of what I did, it's still going to work. Yes. And you're going to think back to how there is a combination of inner and outer game in business and how they work together to help you find the hidden money. But you're going to remember the woo-woo. And you're going to think to yourself, maybe a year from now, what was that woo-woo episode? And you're going to reach out to our us at Business Creators Radio Show, and you're going to ask us, what was the woo-woo episode? Yes, well, I can tell you it's woo-woo, and it's very, very business, because that's what I'm about. I'm all business, 
And anybody who works with me knows. And I can tell you another cool story. A woman Please. I work with, and uh, I have a laser coaching program. It's not right for everybody, but it is right for people who are fast thinkers, want to get things done quickly. And I was working with a person who has, I think, two or three master's degrees, very bright, and couldn't figure out what the heck she wanted to do. She really wasn't fulfilled and not making enough money. So we took a look at everything and gave some, you know, I, I love to give some assignments to get people to think and figure out, and then we come back and work on it and put it together. And so she had a new uh, division of her company that we created. And so I was so excited for her and saw what a brilliant mind she had. I hired her. Yeah. <laughs> With the new division. So sometimes you can get a new customer out of a coach. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yes. So one other story I'll share, because this is probably the most money I found for someone. I was uh, working with a woman who had, I think she said 50 people working for her. And she was having this issue that she couldn't resolve. And she, you know, those issues that you kind of chew on and you pain over and you just can't figure out what to do or you just don't want to do it. Well, I worked with her to explain by not doing what she knew she needed to do which was replace the person that it was right. co costing her an enormous amount of money. Okay. I didn't have a figure for her, but all the only figure I said was enormous and uh, worked with her on how to accomplish it so that it wasn't so painful, what to do, spent some time. And uh, when I met with her after she implemented what we talked about, she was so excited that she had her first million dollar sales month. Wow. Yeah. First million dollar sales month. And you see, that's my point. You have to have someone else take a look at what you're doing, talk to you about it, figure out the action plan. So it's something that you can live with because nobody wants to go out there and, you know, cut off their nose to, to get something done. You want it to be painless. Uh-huh. And uh, so I have it on video that she said that, because, you know, that's kind of an unbelievable story, right? Well, I, I believe such things. Well, you and I do, but not everybody does. So it's on my website if you want to listen in and hear what she had to say about it. I think so. I think some of that uh, starts young. Uh, I... I haven't thought about this for a long time, but after I had my first Holy Communion and people gave me a bunch of money, so I had to have been maybe third or fourth grade or something like that. And I remember in my mind that I had $358. Wow. That, so that was like a different religion. So that was, uh, and it wasn't just from uh, First Communion. It was from other sources as well that I recall anyway. But the total amount of money I had in my possession was $358. Wow. I would go to where that cash was kept. I'd take it out. I'd count it. I'd look at it, and i think, I've got $358. I'm like one step away from a millionaire. <laughs> For that age, absolutely. And so I happened to mention in class at school one day that I had $358. And the teacher heard it and said, no, you don't have $358. Stop lying. I said, I have 
$358. said, don't lie. You don't have $358. Just like that. Well, teachers aren't always the brightest or sharpest knife in the drawer, are they? But you find that you get attacked for speaking accurately from facts because somebody else has a truth that, that feels threatened by your facts. Well, and the other side of it is a big percentage of people lie, and that's what teachers know, and then they put it on the rest of us who don't lie all the time like that. Yeah. I had I had no reason to make up that I had three hundred and fifty eight dollars and and uh, this was a fairly affluent school so I think that when I look back at this retrospectively I was probably lowballing compared to what most of my classmates had yeah exactly but but to, but to me that was a fortune and I wasn't bragging about it that I recall I just made a factual statement that I had three hundred and fifty eight dollars well and who wouldn't want to say they had that especially then that was what probably like two grand today i was like I mean, and yeah especially, especially you're in like the fourth or fifth grade man that makes you a baller well that makes you somebody everybody wants to get to know yeah. you a lot of ice cream with 358 bucks yeah yeah well, i didn't spend it on ice cream i can't remember where it went but uh, all but all but all the same we get we get programmed unfortunately very early on to what's not possible because yeah. somebody else couldn't believe for their own reasons, I had $358. They had to literally scream at me like that in public. Well, I don't think that she was a well-trained or very good teacher. I think there are a lot of teachers that aren't well-trained or very mm -hmm. good. And uh, I'll, tell you the biggest, I'll tell you the biggest thing that pains me is I have friends who are school teachers who actually say the exact same thing you did. Well, and all you have to do is look at the credentialing test they give teachers to make them teachers. When I saw my daughter's credential test, I said, well, it's no wonder they have so much trouble in school if this is what they make you learn to be able to pass the test to be a teacher. Oh, you've got to tell me just a little bit about what uh, horror story you found, if you can recall. Oh, my gosh. It's been years. So it was just some minuscule thing on this whole page that was like, are you kidding me? Why would you need to know that? Why aren't they teaching you how to write curriculums for people to actually learn when they're in school? And you, this, this absolutely does not make any sense that anybody would ever need to know this as a teacher. Yeah. Well, and, you know, going back to my friends who are school teachers, uh, part of what they report and they lament upon is that it seems like the biggest resistance and the, and the biggest challenges they have come from other teachers who have some of the same challenges that you just described. And my friends have told me they found themselves wanting to innovate, wanting to really reach out and help the students to re achieve their full potential, pass the class and actually learn something from it. But the biggest resistance came from the faculty lounge because this, because my, you know, any of my friends uh, really taking their teaching seriously would have made the others look bad and uh, Ashley might have required that they, oh, I don't know, get off their ass. Mm -hmm. Or think a little bit or yeah. create a little bit because, you know, there are no classes I've ever seen to help you to think or create or uh, you know, think outside the box of what's possible, but what you're just doing is taking tests of stuff that you've memorized. Yeah, you teach. Yeah, you teach for the test. Um, hey, and you know what? I fi I figured I figured out the I figured out the tricks of the grade a long time ago. How to do good on a test? 
-hmm. Now, that didn't mean I necessarily retained anything. And, uh, and I think we're speaking candidly here. There were certain cases where I just didn't really care. I just wanted to pass the test. Because exactly. the, the curriculum had no interest for me. Uh, this had nothing to do with any of my brilliance or passion. I actually loathed it. It bored me. It annoyed me. I would never even remotely consider doing this for a living. And forget that never say never stuff. I knew this wasn't my wheelhouse. Well, so about- my entire focus was what's going to be on the test and how do I fill out the test in such a way to turn that into um, a letter that's very low in the alphabet. And that was it. Exactly. And, and then what about the teachers that aren't given a budget to purchase things for their classes? Yeah, that's a big mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it's huge. You they, need to have supplies to teach. Yeah, they shouldn't be purchasing their own supplies. I think yeah. that, uh, yeah, and, and, and I can see from a teacher's perspective. So you go back to the biggest resistance came from the teacher's lounge. I put that out there because I, I knew we were going to circle back to it a minute later. Um, part of the reason that the teacher's lounge doesn't want to rock the boat and won't get off their ass is because they themselves were that idealist who tried. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you I, can, and you can only get beat down so many times before you say, you know what? Let's check the job description. If they ain't on there, I ain't doing it. Well, and I can clearly see why people don't want to do certain jobs because of what's going on within that community. I mean, yeah. there are several communities besides teaching that, you know, there's no possible way I would have ever wanted to be a part of that because, you know, I'm about results and I'm about yep. creating what you don't have. Because when I started working, there were no manuals, there was no computer, there was no uh, anything. You just had mm-hmm. yourself. And so I had to think on my feet to yep. be successful. I have a friend. She um, was one of those real go getters in a company. And it got to a point where after she had been promoted a few times and had some different experiences, she ran into some sort of situation where her boss's boss just took a weird dislike to her and, uh, and went out of their way to make sure that she was aware that she would never be promoted. Now, you say that to somebody, you say, you'll never be promoted. What do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to... I'd be out of there. Are you kidding me? Yeah, do you think they're going to say oh, goodness, what is it about me that I need to change so that I can show these people that I do deserve to be promoted? Okay, yeah, maybe in a Lifetime movie on the, on the Hallmark Channel, but in the real world, here's what happens. And, uh, and this is what happens. She uh, said, okay, cool, and then made sure she had a, an accurate copy of her job description, memorized it, referred back to a daily it was probably the one thing on her you know in in her work area that had the tears and the wrinkles and the coffee stains from being frequently used and anytime she was told that she was making and this is the phrase that she used with her inconsistent errors she would say what are these errors and they couldn't point them out to her and uh she would say is there any is it is it something that's on my job description that you're saying i didn't do no Okay, well, then get back to me when you have something. And above and beyond that, uh, her day started at 8 o'clock and ended at 4.30, full hour for lunch, two 15-minute breaks. Well, I would like to share with the listeners today that if you're in that situation, you know what? Just find another job that you enjoy the people that that's you work where, with. That's where, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. Uh, she had been on the fence whether or not she was going to take the corporate warrior route or she was going to turn her side hustle into a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that made the decision for her. So if she thought, okay, well, I can't exactly leave this job yet, but I've now set a goal that uh, by such and such a date, I'm going to have enough in my savings. I'm going to have enough going on with the side hustle and what have you that I can make the jump. But until then, they tell me my day starts at 8. I'm here at 8 o'clock. They tell me it ends at 4.30. By 4.31, I'm three-fourths of the way down to the bus stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they tell me I have an hour for lunch. I'm taking 60 minutes. I get two 15-minute breaks. I'm taking two 15-minute breaks. And if they ain't on my job description, they can't make me well they said they said they're not going to promote me i have nobody to impress so they're paying me for a specific value and i'm giving them exactly that well that's how i got that interview i mentioned was i wasn't being promoted yeah and i had done everything i'd moved two times for three times for positions you know the 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 mid-level position before you get the big promotion oh yeah and i jumped through every hoop dotted every i made every goal and so i just as a courtesy told my boss that i was going to start answering the calls from headhunters because they weren't moving on me and i'd been there like three years i think it was yeah so or maybe it was two, two or three years and so the next week i got a call for that interview for that position i mentioned and got the job because I wasn't being put out there as a candidate because they wanted to keep me for when they needed somebody. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to create your own opportunities. Right. And of course, always think on your feet because if you're not happy where you are, you know, there's another position somewhere that you can find that you would be happy. Correct. And the reason that I went down that rabbit hole and, uh, and, yeah, and Cindy, you and I work so well together. It's like I set up the pins and you just rolled three strikes. <laughs> um, where I was going with that is if you want to find hidden in your hidden money in your business, look at who's phoning it in and the reasons why. Because in the case of my colleague and my friend I told you about, she knew full well she was phoning it in. And she said very clearly, I'm going to give them exactly what my job description says they're paying for. So if they're not going to promote me, I ain't going to put my energies here. I'm going to go work on my business. Good plan. And when and when that thing's ready to go, I'm outie. And that's exactly what she did. She's been an entrepreneur for 22 years now, doing great with it. Well, and there is a perfect story of how to find happiness and money in your life and in your work. Yeah. Cool. Preci- precisely. And, that, and that's for the person in, say, my friend's situation. But when you're looking at finding the hunt, hidden money in your business – as I, as I would say, again, you know, look at who's phoning it in and find out the reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, is it because they're, they were at one point ambitious and contributory, but learned that no good deed goes unpunished? Are they somebody who's just naturally a slacker and is going to take advantage of the resources? Or you know, in that case, that could speak to hiring practices, or you might want to look into nepotism, like, uh, you know, like whose brother's first cousins once removed were they, <laughs> that they get to have this job where they just sit on the phone calling people, telling them they sent them email all day. I swear to God, I used to sit next to somebody who sent, this, this, this was an idea for productivity. Aside from getting into verbal shouting matches with their idiot loser boyfriend that everybody could hear that went on for two hours out of the day. She would do things, and I would listen to every word of this. She would forward five of her friends some – this is back in the day when we used to send, like, uh, you know, funny emails instead of putting memes on the internet. Mm -hmm. She would forward a funny email to five of her friends, and then she would call each one of them in turn to discuss it. This was an hour of what the company was paying for. Yep. 
that she was untouchable because she was somebody's niece until that certain person whose niece she was um, no longer worked for the company. Then they came and they took her out. And, you know, we could tell story after story after yeah. story that people probably wouldn't believe, but very true. That, that's exactly what it was. She, uh, they wouldn't do anything about her because her, her aunt was the assistant to the CEO or something like that. Well, once the aunt quit, um, let's just say that a lot of people um, felt that there were a lot of bills due, and they almost tripped over each other being the first one to hand it to her by firing her. You know, it sounds like it'd make a great book, a great yeah. compilation book, and everybody contribute their best story. <laughs> you know, there are so many compilation books out there, and I've been in some of them. That'd be funny. Uh, tell your – and I love those websites uh, that tell, like, you know, tell the worst story of you being fired or the worst story you ever had in a restaurant or the funniest thing that ever happened to you on the way to Kalamazoo. And they have, like, like list of 25 things or what have you. I love reading those. And some well, of those stories, like where they, what they do is they go to Reddit and they find stories and they edit them for content. And then they just share it's like the top 23 worst experiences I ever had as a waiter or something like that. <laughs> and I, I love those. They're so entertaining. And some of them you on the surface might not believe, but you have to know that there's weird people out there and that actually happens. Well, I think you need to write that compilation book because those stories, I could tell, I could probably tell you 20 stories. Yeah. You wouldn't believe, but they really happened. And, yeah. uh, you know, to be on the lookout for the people who are doing that kind of nonsense. I would but, say, I, I would say to wrap this up, because we're near the top here, mm -hmm. is if you're looking for hidden money, look for some of the things that you wouldn't believe are possible. Absolutely. And I do have a free gift, Adam, if you want to share that. With well, I was just, I was just, I was just getting that in one second. Okay. Uh, yeah, but we're going to give you a moment to uh, you know, turn the floor over to you because you told me about this free gift and I myself am excited about it. I, I want it for myself. Uh, okay. I'm, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be racing the audience to be the first one to grab it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and what I just wanted to say is by suspending disbelief, you allow yourself to see things that relying on logical belief might get in the way of. Like you wouldn't believe that a company would knowingly pay somebody an entire hour to call their friends to tell them they forward them an email and 20 people heard this and 18 people discussed it in front of the, in front of the water cooler, including two people who have the title of director and that was allowed to go on for three years? Yeah. Well, and I'll bet that company probably still isn't in business. Oh, they're still around. That's pretty amazing. They ain't beating the world, but they're still around. I track it. Uh, so about this free gift, uh, our listeners want it now. Tell us. Okay. <laughs> go to findhiddenmoney.com yeah. and look for the red box that says 26 business tips. You can have them delivered to your inbox every week. It's about life and business. And it's pretty good stuff. So hang out and get all 26 and see what you think. Yeah. Where, where do we go for that again? If you could say the URL one more time, just so that everybody heard it. Findhiddenmoney.com. Findhiddenmoney.com. If that's not a domain, it's also a command. I, I love it. So I'm on findhiddenmoney.com right now. And I see that uh, five minutes could increase my cash flow forever. Hey, I got five minutes. If you got five minutes, you got five minutes. I got five minutes. So well, love sometimes this, it only takes one idea. Love, love this page. A lot of great stuff here. So uh, I just want to say, Cindy Hendricks, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. 
Thank you, Adam. Right back at you, Guy. All right. So for our listeners, we trust you've enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.